Hello, Blue. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us, Annabelle. So, I start with the same question every show. What is the tarot card that represents you and why? So, I don't think that you'll be surprised. (laughs) Um, I am represented by the Queen of Wands, but specifically in the Thoth deck. Okay. Okay, Uh, explain. So, I mean, really in any deck... Not surprised, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, no, not surprising. I think, you know, in in any deck, I usually love the Queen of Wands, but I especially love the Queen of Wands in the Thoth Tarot deck. I love the fiery colors. I love that when you're, like, when you're looking at the Queen of Wands in this card, like, you're staring up at her. Like, she is very (laughs) high above you. (laughs) She is condescending to bless you with her presence at this moment. But she's also, like, loving and kind. And is like, how can I just, like, step into your world and just fix everything for you? What can I do for you, stranger? Exactly. What can I do for you, stranger? And also, what can you do for me? Mm -hmm. You know, like, the, the Queen of Wands is just to me just such a lovely card and I love that she has her familiar there with her who's a cheetah yeah and in most <laughs> um in many tarot decks the queen of wands is usually pictured with a cat like and, a black cat your yes. classic familiar is a black cat yes. this one has a hunting wild cheetah yeah and I love that I just love this card I really relate to it I endeavor to be this presence everywhere I go in the most positive helpful loving way possible yeah. yeah, yeah, that's definitely you. Thank you. So, can you tell us a little bit about your spiritual background, briefly about astrology, how you got into that? But I'm really curious about your more witchy background. Sure. So, I grew up in a household with two Gemini parents. So, we had lots of books, books. just books <laughs> everywhere. And uh, my dad's side of the family is Jewish, but he's not religious. And my mom's side of the family is, they're gypsy, not religious, you know. But growing up, my mom, uh, and she still is, was really into Buddhism. And my dad is just like a philosopher, basically. Like, he's kind of into everything. Like, they were both just really curious Geminis. Mm -hmm. Just typical Gemini shit, really. (laughs) So um, I was encouraged to just read whatever I wanted to read and we had books about pretty much everything in the house and so it was encouraged for me to be curious in that regard like for example books on witchcraft were not off limits in my home actually one of the cutest stories I have about my dad was once we were at a bookstore and we were going to buy a bunch of books but then he realized he forgot his wallet and only had like uh, you know a little bit of cash with him and he bought me the witchcraft book instead of all of the other because you had to pick one. Yeah, we had to pick one. You know, and I was in fifth grade, so it's not like I even picked out a witchcraft book that I really needed for a particular reason. I was a kid who was like, I love this stuff, so I kind of just picked one that spoke to me. And my dad bought me that book instead of anything else he might have needed. And, like, so that was the kind of encouragement I had, which was really nice. But anyway, going even back before that, I had I have an older sister who's eight years older than me. And she and her best friend used to come over and, like, give each other tarot readings. And I was like, what is this? Like, (laughs) I was in fourth grade. There was nothing better to me than to listen to two teenagers talk about who had a crush on who and, like, what was going on at school. Like, that is just the most exciting thing to you when you're a kid. And there's this medium, these tarot cards, that will just explain everything. And I was like, wow, it's, like, the coolest thing ever. So for my birthday in fourth grade, um... My sister's best friend gave me, I think in combination with my sister, they gave me Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness. 
Alanis Morissette Jagged Little Pill, and the Rider Waite Tarot deck. So I don't think a fourth grader has ever gotten a better level of their life. Like that was that was the fucking bomb. And what what year was that? Uh, 1996. So it was great. Loved it. And I shortly after also got a Ouija board. And I was just into that stuff. My parents were fine with me being into it. It was just there. Then over that summer before fifth grade, my mom and I were on vacation. And in the gift shop, there was like this book on. Aries personality and I was like well I'm an Aries I should get this book and so my mom was super nice and got it for me we were on vacation I didn't really have much to do so like I was able to just like devour this book on the Aries personality this was actually the same weekend that Princess Diana died so I will never forget this (laughs) that's pretty much jammed into my memory and uh, then over the course of that year throughout fifth grade, like all of my notebooks were covered in astrological symbols because I really wanted to memorize all of them. Like that was like my goal was to memorize all of them and have like really cool ways of writing them. And like, those, <laughs> like they were my tag or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Glyph graffiti. Exactly. <laughs> Do you remember Sydney Omar? No. So Sydney Omar had these books uh, that came out every year that were horoscopes for each day of the year. So beginning of fifth grade, my mom got that for me because I really, really wanted it. So, you know, here we are. I'm in fifth grade. I have this book. And a few weeks into school, there is a new moon in Libra. So the horoscope for Aries says there's going to be a new relationship entering your life. And I was like, I mean, I already know everyone in my class. Like, I don't have a boyfriend. Like, what are they talking about? Like, that's not going to happen. And I got a love letter from someone that day. So I clipped out the horoscope and put it in my box of memories. And I was like, this shit is real. (laughs) (laughs) This is real. This is real. So over the course of the year, I just, you know, always really loved mythology and astrology ties into that so much and I just super loved it so you know that's my astrological beginning but it's also my witchy beginning because that was the year that like Sabrina the Teenage Witch also premiered and you know now as a grown adult talking with other grown adults like we moan and complain about like witchcraft being so popular now and it's I love like, it I, I gotta be honest I love the influx in the media film and tv yeah. like I, I'm loving it every second but, of like, it I think most of us can't lie like when we were kids the craft came out or Sabrina the Teenage Witch came out it's and it's hugely really influential hugely influential so I you know really just loved witchcraft I loved nature and I loved like the connection to nature that witchcraft gave me and especially in the 90s there was so much like green witchcraft and, like you know like returning to nature and like you know <laughs> touching trees and like conversing with animals and like that kind of thing and it was like super hippie and like I loved it and also around that age I think like pre-puberty is the witchiest time in everyone's life why because you're about to go through this major change of entering adulthood. And it's so natural, too. And people start treating you differently. Um, everyone's story is different, but, like... Men start to look at you differently. Yeah, like... like there's and you this, notice. Yes, and there's this really big threshold of change, and you're at this crossroad where you're really figuring out who you are, but even more importantly, like, how you're going to protect yourself mm-hmm. from all of these things. Like, I think for everyone, this change from, like, child to adult is really naturally witchy. And when I think back to those years in my life like my friends and I no matter whether or not we thought we were doing something witchy like the way we would play in the park and like 
surround a tree or like pick up a leaf and like we would all pass it around and like say something like we didn't realize we were doing ritual things like you're just being a kid and you're bored and this was like in the 90s no one had internet on their phone like Mm -hmm. when you were bored you had nothing to do except for (laughs) talk to rocks and sticks so like we would do things like that and it was so magical and witchy and like we would like you're doing rituals without really realizing it but then going back to this being this like threshold once you get a little bit older you're not doing like strange ritual things like that anymore then you kind of move into the zone where you're like testing out flirting with people or you're like trying a cigarette for the first time and it's a different thing so kind of in this prepubescent zone you're noticing that people are treating you differently but you still have this childlike connection to the earth and to nature which I think is really potent for a lot of people I have this joke that I say that I would ask you how you got into witchcraft but I already know the answer which is that you hated everyone in sixth grade (laughs) but like yeah like that point in time like fifth sixth grade like when you're really young and all these things are changing and you might feel like an outsider or like you don't get along with people like the witch archetype in general is already such an outsider archetype Mm -hmm. and I certainly really felt like an outsider when I was a kid I didn't have very many friends or even like the opportunity to meet a lot of people all the time so I felt like an outsider a lot of the time. So witchcraft, when you feel like an outsider and you're trying to tap into your inner power, is just so attractive. I think all spirituality can be really attractive in that way. The years go by, and I get into high school, and I'm thinking about things like abortion and politics. And I'm like, all of these religions, like, fuck this. Like, we need to have human rights. And these, like, wars need to stop. And I I was just really sick of seeing how religion played into these things. And I kind of felt like I was a hypocrite if I, like, leaned into anything other than atheism, basically. So for a solid, like, two or so years, I was, like, not interested in witchcraft, not interested in horoscopes, not interested in anything religious because I was, like, how can I believe in these political uh things that are really important to me and also believe in the other stuff that's a big word for you the word believe believing in things right i think the reason why i don't like the word believe all the time is because sometimes we say we believe in something when that's not really true what we what we do is use something as a tool Mm -hmm. and i think just knowing how to knowing what what's where makes sense yeah i do have saturn and sagittarius Mm -hmm. so that's a lot of questions about belief right there uh, because Saturn wants something hard and firm. And, and that explains that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Sagittarius is spreading fire all around. That's not, you know, like that's, uh, they're spreading ideas and ideas are not hard and fast things. Mm-hmm. So belief is an interesting question with Saturn and Sagittarius. So, you know, I had this like, you know, two or so year period where I was just super not interested in anything having to do with things that were provable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it really went against my political ideals. But then I went to a ghost hunting meetup. Oh, uh, I have questions about that. And my friend and I went, I think I was 18 or 19. I don't really remember. Um, my friend and I went kind of as a joke because we both really liked the ghost hunter show. So we went as a joke and we had fun. But I was also sitting there and I was like, God, like, I love this stuff. Like, even if I'm here as a joke and I don't take a lot of these people seriously, like, I still love talking about it. And I still love being around this. And, like, this feels comfortable and it feels like home. And, like, I've been missing this in my life. Like, this was a huge part of my identity. And I lost that for a while because I had to reject it in order to experiment with other parts of myself. And I was ready to integrate both of them. So after I went to that ghost hunting meetup, 
I was like, let's see what else is on meetup.com. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to some astrology groups and I found eventually after this didn't happen immediately after, but after a few, I think like two or so years, I found access astrology with Mark Walls and Anna Ortley and that like became my home. And from the age of like 18, 19 ish to 21 ish, when I found that circle, I just like dived into astrology full steam like that was all I was reading that was all I was studying I was obsessed with it but a lot of things still didn't really click for me or make sense for me until I started going to access astrology on a weekly basis um because you can study things in books all you want but I you know wasn't really aware of the online communities for astrology and I think I mean I think I might have been but I just I wasn't really an online person like I was out all the time in the world like we didn't have like you know I didn't have an there was no iPhone back then right so unless so I just was never on forums so I was always like in these books and I didn't actually have people to talk to about it so once I found people to talk to about astrology I learned so much about astrology I know you wanted to know more about witchcraft Mm -hmm. but I'm getting there okay so you know, I finally found this amazing group of people that I could really talk to with about astrology, and I saw that people were doing astrology professionally as a living, and that was really inspiring to me, and I was like, well, that's what I should do. So I just gave up on anything else and was like, I'm a professional astrologer. And from there, um, I end up, you know, being a part of a Thelemic organization and doing lots of different kinds of magic with different people, chaos magic. Um, and eventually kind of settled on my own, like, patchwork kind of witchcraft Mm -hmm. that just sort of comes from all of my experiences and all the different, um, teachers that I've studied under, and I have not stopped doing astrology since. Yeah. That's my story. You know what you were saying about being an outsider? Mm -hmm. It's so relatable, and it's, I think it's true. That's how it happens for all of us. But... I, that's why I'm really loving all of this representation. I'm feeling seen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though some of it's totally hokey, some of it's really authentic, like in the new Sabrina or in Supernatural. Some of that stuff is so authentic, yeah. like Anokian symbology, like stuff like that. I'm just like, wow. So I feel seen. When I was a kid and I would watch X-Files with my mom, the one question I would constantly ask her is like, wait, did they make that up for the show or is that real about vampires? And she'd be like, what do you mean is that real about like vampires or whatever? I'd be like, is that like actual lore? Like, did that come from somewhere? Like, is that like from mythology? Like, or did they just make it up for the show? And she'd be like, either way, it's not real. Like, you get that right? I'm like, I know it's not real. I know it's a show, but like, did these symbols, where did these symbols come from? Is it just a script doodle that someone made up or is it a symbol from um, a magical textbook somewhere? Like, yeah. So Inquiring minds need to know. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, 10 years old, those were the questions I was asking. Yeah, Yeah, similar, but like, can you explain dinosaurs, please, to my (laughs) priest, to the preacher of my church? And the answer was no. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh yeah, they didn't even try. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't like it either. Um, so how we met, uh, how long ago was it now? Like six years? I think so. That sounds about right. I love that you and I met in person and not online. Yeah. We might've been friends already on Facebook, but I met you in person. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing to me. 
Yeah. I'm not I'm not hating on any kind of online friendship. I have millions of online <laughs> friends who I love. It's not about that. But it's really cool in my life since I work from home and since so much of my life is on the internet, when I am able to meet someone in person and it, it just it feels even more like, oh my God, like I was able to meet someone off the computer. That's awesome because I'm so in on the internet. And I think you and I first met um, when I was doing a panel on being a professional astrologer and tarot reader mm-hmm. and you were in the audience and you were one of the most engaged people. I was, was, I was like taking notes. You were taking notes. You were smiling. You were frowning. You were thinking like you were engaged. Like I could see like all of the, like I could tell that you were like actually like really like critically thinking about what everyone was saying. And I was like, I want to talk to her after this <laughs> and like see what she thinks. So that was really cool. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I was already a reader at that time, but the people who were on that panel had so many amazing things to say, which actually have had some of the best business advice in my whole career because of you. And I'm going to actually keep all of that a secret because if they want to learn, they can ask me about it or ask you about it. (laughs) Or we should teach like a webinar or something. That would be cute. Yeah. Um, uh, We should talk about putting together another panel. Definitely. That would be, I've always wanted to do that since, yes. since I saw you do it. I'm like, I want to do it. I want to be on a panel. I mean, one of my <laughs> biggest passions after astrology is like entrepreneurship. Like yeah. nothing makes me feel happier than someone's business succeeding. And whenever I have a hand in it, my, my head gets so big. Like I'm so full of ego. Like I just feel so much pride over it. Like whenever someone succeeds and I know that I've helped in some way, I, I can go to bed happy. Like I feel like I've and affected you, the world. You have a big hand in, in a lot of people's, it's not just me. It's a lot of people like getting ahead. And I, I actually put that in my notes. I wanted to like, thank you. Kind of like, yeah. I don't know. I just think sometimes I'm like, Annabelle's a fucking saint. <laughs> people get ahead a friend of mine recently told me you should stop doing that and I was like what do you mean like I didn't really understand and they didn't really clarify because I think they could tell that I felt a little bit um offended or not exactly offended but that I was confused Mm -hmm. and sort of like taken aback and almost offended you know like trying to clarify like what do you mean they didn't fully explain but then I kind of realized what they were saying was that I am helping people get ahead in their business and sometimes they're not always the best people. Mm. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Anything I do to help someone, I'm not doing for me or for them. I'm doing because I have, like, the the ability to do it. And to not do it would be completely anti all my values, no matter who the person is. I have to agree. I've known you for a long time. I think that would just go against the grains of who you are. Yeah. Completely. I should rephrase that. If I know that someone's a jerk or abusive, of course I'm not going to help them. Yeah. But if I help someone, but then later I, you know, they, I find out something or they do something hurtful to someone else or they like, you know, are shady to me in some way. I'm never going to ever regret that I've helped them in the past because I didn't know. So as long as I don't know, it is my duty to help anybody. And I take that really seriously. You, you do. And you, yeah. you show it. You show Thank it. You. It shows. So um, tell us a little bit more about becoming a public figure, with, for lack of a better term, with um, some of these parties that are coming up. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I... Uh, it's on one hand, I don't really consider myself a public figure because in the grand scheme of things, I never really worked at building my following. So a lot of other astrologers have way more of a following than I do in terms of followers on I know social media mean, yeah. because I 
didn't care about doing that. And if anything, I kind of resisted doing that and was like, fuck it. I'm going to have like a stupid looking Instagram account. I'm not going to post any astrology things because I'm already fucking writing all day. If you want to read a horoscope, go read my horoscopes. Don't find it on my Instagram. But then I kind of had this realization where I was like, part of anyone's job who has a job that's online you're only, you're doing you're only doing your business a disservice by not letting your social media flourish. So I kind of reached this realization where I was like, I can resist this, or I could lean into this and help this be and like just another extension of my work instead of instead of um, saying like, oh well, I you know social media is like not cool, you know mm-hmm. like because again going back to how when I was younger I was never on the computer like in two thousand seven. If you were on the computer all day, you were a fucking nerd. Like, that, you know, and I was not a nerd in that way. I was at parties. I was being photographed by, you know, stupid party photographers. I was never online. Social media was not cool. You know, it was not cool to be on MySpace all day long. So that's kind of where I came from. But then I had this realization where I was like, you know, I can't think of it that way. So I think the first thing I would say to anyone who's doing anything in public um, if you're an astrologer and a tar- or a tarot reader and you want to be more public with your work, belittling your own social media and saying, it, you know, like, oh, like, social media is dumb. Like, you know, I'm too good for social media. My work is too important and intellectual for social media. That might be true, but you're going to need to just realize that this is basically another part of your website. Like, you don't have to put all of your uh, biggest um, epiphanies on there, but you need to you need to realize it's still an extension of that and to give it the respect that it deserves instead of ignoring it. A lot of places like, you know, publications and even, like, bigger companies, they look at that. They look they at do. They, and it. And it matters to yeah. them. So. so if you care about your business, you need to care about every part of your business, which is visible. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about being a public figure, which I've learned is difficult, is prior to being a public figure, I would accept, let's say, anyone's friend, friend request that was in the astrological community, even if I didn't know them, because we're both in the astrology community, of course I'm going to accept your request. Or if they followed me, I would always follow back. But the thing that happens as you get bigger is that you can't do that because so many strange people who you think would be part of your community and like maybe they are but like you would have never crossed paths like you you just can't do that anymore you can't just be like oh yeah sure whatever you have to be really discerning and I think I really had a wake-up call a few years ago I mean people say this to me all the time but the first time someone said to me oh I noticed that you were following so-and-so so I accepted their friend request because I figured they must be a good astrologer if you're following them and I was like I see that logic like that makes sense but I have no fucking idea who this person is and or no they're actually not a good astrologer I like them as a person so I followed them back like I think they might have a nice vibe but I don't personally know them I don't know what their whole thing is so even at this point it's something I really struggle with I really want to connect with people and I want to just always follow back and I want to like connect but sometimes I I just have to just ignore because I don't want to give someone my vote my social media vote by by following back and even recently I've gone through my socials and if I don't recognize your name or your face I'll unfollow or unfriend which on one hand I feel kind of bad doing because I know the other person might notice and feel bad But the fact is that I don't actually know you. And once you become a public figure, that kind of thing is different. You know, once you become a more public figure, being connected to someone when you don't know their values, you don't know their work ethic, you don't really, you don't know them, you've never had a 
conversation with them and they've never said hello to you, that's a boundary that I'm still kind of learning. Because um, yeah, it makes sense. There's one thing to have really strong boundaries when you're an astrologer and a horoscope writer, but you don't have over 10,000 followers. And then there's another kind of boundary that has to develop afterward. So that's been a hard, kind of complicated thing for me to navigate. Um, the other thing is that I, in terms of being a public figure, I just really try to be myself. I, and I also just try to be humble and I try to be honest all the time. And I think that's all I can really do at this point. Yeah, well, people still need to remember and recognize that you are famous. Hello, you're a celebrity. So, okay, but I'm being silly, but you you are. Like, there should be a, a modicum of, like, respect for that. You've worked hard to get to where you are. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, my last question before we take a quick break. Can you tell us, like, you said you were ghost hunting in the past, and that was a big part of your path. I've always wanted to ask you, like, what the scariest thing that happened to you while you were on ghost hunting i will say this hunting for something rarely yields in any results it hmm. usually comes when you're not looking for it much like love if you're like on the prowl on the chase if you're like trying to capture a mate it like never happens and then once you like give up like suddenly that's someone shows up. yeah that's so that's <laughs> what i'll say about that okay yeah all right so we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna talk about compatibility both with astrology and magic yay and we're back so annabelle tell us all about compatibility well blue it's really funny that you ask because i i don't know if you know this but I actually have a book coming out in July with Chronicle Books called The Astrology of Love and Sex. How exciting. I'm very excited. <laughs> it's my first book. I'm really excited for it to be published. Um, I want, you know, like I explained, when I first got into astrology, it was because I was like, oh, look, it's a book on the Aries personality. Uh, but then as I began, like, continuing my study of astrology, compatibility books are super accessible. They're really kind of um, easy. Uh, easy is the wrong word, but accessible way for beginning astrologers to kind of understand the dynamic between the signs and just the concept of the signs, the concept of the zodiac wheel. I just think that compatibility books are really amazing, just gateway to astrology. I love them for that reason. But, you know... I've never really found an, a compatibility book that I'm absolutely obsessed with. For example, Linda Goodman's book is really good in some ways, but in other ways, it's a super sexist, gendered, 1970s thing that's difficult to read now. You know, it just feels so out of context. Mm. So my goal with this book was to just make something super modern, super kind of simple, and just really, on one hand, really easy for beginners to understand. But on the other hand, I have so much... I have so much experience with astrology. I know so many just like funny little things that I think would really blow people's minds, even if they're an advanced astrologer. So my goal for this book was to make, on one hand, this really simple, clear, clean book. On the other, fill it with a bunch of like truth bombs that even advanced astrologers would get a kick out of. And my goal with the compatibility sections, uh, there's something I really hate in many compatibility books, which is when they have a star rating for how well people can get along with each other. Like, you know, uh, Gemini and Aries, like four stars out of five. Like, that is so stupid. I hate that. Like, that will never be in a book that I do. So my approach with my compatibility section was not to talk about, oh, this sign is or isn't compatible with another because that doesn't really exist. 
What does exist is your sun's placement in your birth chart could be at a square or in conjunct or trine angle to the other person's sun, and that will flavor some of the dynamic, but there's still the entire rest of the chart to look at. It's folly to boil it down to sun signs and say that is going to decide whether or not we're compatible. So my goal with this compatibility book was to talk about what works and what doesn't work because every sign can get along and here's what you can do to make that better and here's where the two of you possibly could trip up just based on the sign's archetypes. It is a little bit of a sneaky book because on one hand, (laughs) when you're reading the compatibility section, if you're beginning astrology, you might not really catch this or see this, but if you're more advanced, you'll realize that there is a pattern that takes place. And I'm not going to go into it too much into this episode, but I will say when you purchase the book, read the chapter that says, how does compatibility work? Think about the aspects in astrology, like conjunction, trine, sextile, sit with the compatibility sections. And this homework I'm about to give you is not in the book. I'm kind of giving you a little insider scoop here. Just take a look at it, read those compatibility sections, and in your own mind, just kind of meditate on what the angles uh, or aspects, you know, try and all that kind of thing are between the signs and see what kind of comes up for you. Because the compatibility sections, on one hand, sure, it's written by anecdotal experiences of the signs that I know that have dated each other. I did a lot of research in that regard, but it's, it also kind of comes down to um, the angles between the signs. Mm. You know, something that I've been talking to my clients a lot about lately is a really interesting question to relate to an astrologer because you have this chart right in front of you and you can see maybe that something isn't going to be happening for a while for this person or maybe with compatibility like, oh, well, you're going to have this issue here. But this thing that I've been telling my clients like (laughs) relentlessly Like, in this layman's term as possible, I'm trying to explain that. They're the master of their destiny. You can always shift outcomes. We can, you know, we can also do magic, too, to help influence certain changes. So I'm curious, like, fate versus free will, where do you stand? Well, I totally think we have free will. I think that when it comes to compatibility, it's all about maturity and emotional intelligence and boundaries. And if you are mature then that is going to create a totally different dynamic than if you are a total immature jerk, you know, (laughs) like, and it doesn't matter what sign you are, what placements you you are, you can always choose to take, well, let me rephrase that. Sometimes it can not feel like a choice because you might not have, have the education to make better choices, but in life we have opportunities to grow and to learn and anytime you do have the option to do the best thing, you should try to take it. And that's going to make your chart play out in a different way. Do you think being aware of certain things to like look out for, like red flags to watch for, do you think that helps some people with that emotional intelligence? Yes and no. I think when you're looking out for red flags, astrology doesn't have to be any part of it. I think just simple of like psychology and, and self-care kind of, boundary things where you're like well if someone is calling me nonstop and that makes me feel uncomfortable Mm. that's a red flag and that has nothing to do with astrology so I think it can be fun when you're learning about astrology to look at like the like red flags quote-unquote for the signs but I really look at that with like in a tongue-in-cheek way and in a sense of humor I don't look at that in the same way that I look at really disgusting like no is this a red flag like are you okay are you happy like do you feel safe like that's a different thing Yeah, Yeah. gotcha. 
in my book, I included a paragraph on consent. Oh, yeah. Because... Consent is hot. Because, and you know, in a lot of places in the book, like, I couldn't make it over-the-top sexy and kinky because this book is not going to only be sold in adult stores. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be sold in Barnes & Noble, so I couldn't go, like, full-on raunch. But in many places, I've talked about things that are, you know, like, a sign enjoying the chase. But And the thing is, yeah, the chase is fun, but not if the other person's not consenting to it. So I included a paragraph on, like, make sure this person's actually interested in you. Like, make sure, like, that's the vibe and, like, that's what's happening here. Yeah. Because boundaries, consent, taking care of yourself, all of this is more important than compatibility and astrology. Yeah. That actually is an interesting question, too, when you're thinking about doing attraction magic, right? Like, I want to attract this specific person. So that's a question of consent. It is a question of consent. My rule of thumb, which isn't perfect, but a good question to start with, is would you be humiliated if the object of your affection found out that you were doing this behind closed doors? That's a great question. It's a good rule of thumb because if the answer is yes, don't fucking do it. Yes, and if the answer is no, the other person would be like, oh yeah, you like me? You want it? Like, First of all, you have to know that that's the answer. Mm -hmm. um, and if that is the answer, then... Then I think we have other things to talk about and discuss, and that's not, you know, like, nothing I can do, like, theoretically without actually talking to the person here. But if you know that you would be humiliated, that is already a really good indication that you shouldn't do it. That said, I think casting spells on yourself to enchant or glamour other people, uh, depending on the situation, depending on the intent, depending on many different factors, I think it's fine because you're really enchanting yourself, not someone else. So someone else's free will is not affected. Mm -hmm. Really, all you're doing is kind of fluffing up your peacock feathers and like, <laughs> you know, like feeling really good about yourself, which yeah. just which just casts a spell on others. One last thing I'll say about whether about whether or not you should cast spells on other people. Mm -hmm. I think one thing to ask is, for example, if you're using an oil, are you putting the oil on yourself or are you putting it on someone else's belongings? If you're putting it on yourself and it's for the intention to um, make a certain person attracted to you, I actually think that's fine mm -hmm. because you're doing it to yourself. If you're taking the oil and pouring it all over their underwear drawer, that's a different thing. And uh, the same goes, I think incense is generally a pretty safe uh, route to go with these things because you're kind of, you're making, you're making, you're putting it into the air and you're making an atmosphere. And just because there's an atmosphere of rain doesn't mean people have to go out into the rain or they can't take an umbrella. Like, I think that there are ways to still do this magic and, you know, make it work. And I also want to add that I've learned this from experience. Like, I think we've all cast a spell or two. Mm -hmm. That was a lesson mm -hmm. to be learned. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, ask yourself if you, if you would be embarrassed if the other person found out. Ask yourself if you're anointing yourself or someone else um and you know that's the main reason why I work mainly with baths because it's only that person yeah so in terms of people coming to a practitioner and asking to boost compatibility between the two partners I think injecting more mystery into any partnership I think mystery is the key to all romantic sexy relationships so the first thing that I would do is separate them from each other. Each person would have to have their own individual consultation with me. Mm. This is very different from when I do an astrological consultation for couples. If I'm looking at a chart, the other person has to be present. I will never look at a person's chart unless they're present. I've done it in the past, but currently in my professional practice, 
you got to give that, that person has to be there, you know? Um, so when I'm giving an astrology reading, it's very different than if two people came to me saying, Hey, we want to work some magic to make this better. So if two people came to me saying, okay, we want to work some magic to increase our compatibility or whatever, spice things up in bed, I would separate the two and I would give them their own individual things to do. And regardless of what I gave them, their main thing would be that they would have to keep it a secret from each other. Oh. So secrets can destroy a relationship or they can become the magnet that attracts the two to wanting to figure it out. Because everyone fucking loves a mystery. <laughs> everyone fucking loves a puzzle. And uh, we all have Mars somewhere in our chart. And Mars is desire. And it's the chase. And it wants to know, you know? And we all have Venus. We all have this desire to be seduced. We all want to be, just feel like, oh, someone just is like showering us with love. And whenever there's mystery injected into a relationship, whenever there's a third factor that enters a relationship where the two people are, are like, oh, well, you have a new job now. Like, does that mean that I will see you less or whatever? <laughs> then suddenly there's this like, that's this mystery kind of really reignites everything. So I would try to re, I, I basically just try to drop a mystery bomb into the relationship yeah. is what I try to do. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So when is your book coming out? What's the release? July 2019. Yeah. So um, well, we're just going to have to do another episode and cover the book more. That's yes, all. I would love that. <laughs> um, yes, July 2019. I can't wait for us to do another episode and talk more about it. And in the meantime, I am throwing some really awesome parties with Vice at Villain in Brooklyn, and they're called Cosmic Nights. So go online and check it out, Cosmic Nights. Uh, I always post about it on my social media, uh, Twitter at Annabelle Gat underscore and Instagram at Annabelle Gat. And I also have a few classes coming up. You can learn more about them by following me on social media. I have a newsletter that I like never send out. Uh, so just follow me there. I don't really give readings to new clients, but if you contact me, somewhere on social media or through email or through my website annabellegat.com and you say that you heard me from this specific podcast i will put you on the wait list Ooh, you heard it here folks if you could get a reading with annabelle Gat, i've never even really had i had one reading from you ever yeah. it was when you were teaching horary yeah <laughs> yeah I really rarely do readings because of my writing schedule. And when I do, it's basically it's only for returning clients. I still remember what I asked and what the answer was. What was it? I asked, what can I do to help build my community? Like, I'm, my heart is broken thinking about where I was in my heart and, like, in my mind and my soul then. And you were like, nothing. You can't do anything else. You need to focus on yourself and your business. It's all about your entrepreneurial endeavors. And I was like, because I did not expect that answer. I have chills right now. I'm like, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> the, that really caught me off guard. Like, nothing else for your community. You've done everything that you can. You're bending over backwards. It's time to focus on you. And I was like, okay. And it, it really did help. <laughs> it probably saved me from really burning myself out at the time, to be honest. That's good. So thank you. Yeah. So anyway, if you can get a reading with Annabelle, um, you're 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 the luckiest person in the world. Thank you. <laughs> I love giving readings, and I love teaching. Yeah, teaching, teaching is, is like the best. I feel like you don't really know what you know until 
That's true. You're teaching yeah. something. I learn so much from my students. Yeah. I yeah. learn so much about my practice. I, It's the most rewarding thing. There's all these perspectives that you're surprised to hear all the time. Yeah. I can relate to that. It's, yeah. And for me, it's like, what's the point of knowing all this stuff if I'm not spreading it? And that's a very, again, Saturn and Sagittarius thing. I will say, like, in closing, I will say that I appreciate that you've never been... There's, there's a huge trend right now with elitism and magic and, and divination, and you've never been, like, withholding whatsoever. No. I mean, I would say I'm more withholding. There's certain things I want to keep I will never. I will never withhold anything. Here's the thing. On Twitter, I've decided to stop leaving a lot of my, like, astrological knowledge truth bombs because you're writing all the time because I'm writing all the time and because I really want people to come to my classes and to interact with me to get that yeah so I pretty much decided right Twitter's where I just write stupid jokes (laughs) and and kind of the same with Instagram but maybe Instagram I go a little more in depth because there's a better word count but I never withhold anything the only thing I withhold is if you want to get a reading or you want me to write something for you then you, you got to get on the wait list because I literally can't do it. But if I can give you something, I will always. What a nice thing though. I love the idea of being able to refuse opportunities or send them to someone else, which you always do. Always. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Annabelle. Thank it's been you. lovely having you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Thank you.